Welcome to The Satisfaction Project, your adults-only guide to independent sex professionals with Aussie escort Georgie Wolfe. Thanks for joining me for another episode of The Satisfaction Project. I've got something a little bit different for you today. So here at The Satisfaction Project, we love and recommend independent hands-on sex workers. But I also believe that different types of services suit different clients. So if you're considering exploring sex and intimacy with a paid professional, it's definitely worth looking at all the options. So this episode is about looking at all your options. What are all the different kinds of sex work and what might be right for you? This is a huge topic. So to help me through this, I'm joined by my good friend, Tash Murphy. Tash is an adult industry professional based in Melbourne. She has a background in adult retail, community health and advocacy, and currently works as an independent escort. Tash last appeared on episode three of the podcast where we talked about authenticity, but this time around, we're going to work our way through all the various different varieties of sex work and types of sex work professions and have a think about why as a client you might gravitate towards that particular kind of service. It is a huge topic and we didn't get through it all today. So in this episode, we're mostly talking about hands-on full-service sex workers, but there are many other types of sex work too. They don't all involve sex and they don't all involve actually touching clients either. And I'll be discussing some other types of sex work in later episodes. This is just the first installment of what I suspect will be a very long conversation. Before we dive in, here are our regular disclaimers. Firstly, we don't speak for all sex workers. This is an opinion only zone. Second, there's no legal advice here either. It's your job to know your local laws and follow them. And lastly, remember that everyone does things their own way. So no matter what, please follow your workers' advice. Oh, it's so nice to be talking with you again. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I had such a great time last time. It was really good. This is a different, slightly different kind of conversation to what we talked about last time, but I'm still... I don't, I don't think I'd want to tackle this topic with anyone else because it's so big, like there's so much to talk about and I just feel like you're a really good person to unpack this with. So, yeah, it's good to have you here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the thing is that the industry is so diverse and um, right. it's really great to break it down and see um, uh, the benefits of each um, each type of work and how it can be great for workers and clients alike. Yep, and I reckon there's some really good stuff that we're going to be able to get into. Um, but before I get super carried away with that, um, did you want to just give everyone who's listening a quick intro, just in case they didn't catch you the first time around in our last podcast episode together? Um, what kind of work do you do, and you know how long have you been doing this work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so at this stage, um, I do escorting. Um, I did start in the industry in 2016. I was doing uh, parlor and brothel work, um, and then I moved into escorting in 2018. Um, so at this stage, I've had uh, two types of hands-on experience, um, but I do have quite a lot of friends in different sectors in the industry as well, and I've learned a lot from their experiences too. It's really useful listening to other people. Uh, and I'm similar to you. I started out in brothel work and then I moved to independent. I've also worked in a rub and tug joint, which was great mm -hmm. fun. And I've I've watched in on people's BDSM sessions and I have a bit of a history in the kink scene. So I've got a bit around that. But then a lot of my other knowledge has just come from listening to my friends talk about all their different types of work. I've had friends who cammed. I've had friends who produce uh, their own porn or who do online services, like a whole load of other stuff that I've never tried. But just hearing about it has been really enlightening. Yeah, it's um, incredible, actually, just uh, how many different facets of the industry there are. Um, and, you know, you can choose uh, what works for you. Um, and if you want, you can try multiple different streams. And, and that's the beauty of sex work, I think. And why wouldn't you? But, but I mean, I guess this is probably the right time to say that even though we're talking about all these different things and we're talking about um, what we've heard from our friends about their experiences, we're not experts in all types of sex work. Like the sex industry is huge. There are dozens of different kinds of sex work out there and we haven't done all of them. So we're definitely not coming in today to try and be experts in all of types of sex work. And please don't take any of the things we say as the be-all and end-all definitions or the absolute truth. This is more just a chance to have a conversation about the possibilities for you as a client. 
you know, what, what might work for you, what types of sex work might work for you. Um, but please do your own research too and listen to your sex workers as well because we are not absolute experts in everything, although I like to feel like I am, but I'm definitely not. Yeah, uh, most definitely. I, I think uh, it's really important to research um, uh, different facets of the industry and see what works for you. Um, I mean, there are so many different things to take into consideration. So uh, Georgie and I, we right. can give you our perspectives, but um, it's really important to do your research. Yeah, yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. And look, I'm sure I'm going to be bringing this up again. Every time we land on a particular type of sex work that um, that I'm not familiar with, I'll be I'll be letting you know, so you'll know the ones that I am familiar with and the ones I'm not. Um, but look, I guess the the purpose of today is just to to look at sex work in its entirety, like what different types of sex work um, are out there, and you know why why would a client choose one over the other? Why might a client choose to see an independent escort, or why might a client choose to go to a strip club? Why might a client choose to pay a content producer online like there are so many different ways that you can interact with sex workers and what I'm hoping is that we can work our way through this humongous list I have of types of sex work and just sort of you know talk about why like you know why might clients enjoy this kind of sex work or why might you not why might this not be something you're cut out for and you know I hope by the end of it um, after we've both kind of given our two cents um, you'll have a bit more of an idea of what's out there and the possibilities and maybe the options. How does that sound, Tash? You down for like just us working our way through this huge list that I have here? Yeah, I'm so keen. <laughs> um, I'm really excited to talk about um, the the different um, parts of the industry and um, I, I think it's uh, going to be a really fun chat. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Mm, yeah, me too, totally. If I say anything that you think is dumb, feel free to correct me because this is speculation and maybe, um, you know, we've all had different experiences and it may be that you will have had a bit of experience um, that doesn't align with my experience and please just feel free to go, oh, no, that's not how we did it um, at my work. The cumbags went out the back door, <laughs> you know, or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I think that's the beauty of it is that everyone's had different experiences and different perspectives. And likewise for you is that your experiences might be incredibly different to mine. Um, and also, I, I just want to note, same as Georgie, is that I don't have experience in every part of the industry. Um, and so there are some types of work that um, I can't speak on from firsthand experience. So it's uh, purely just from what I see from an outsider's perspective. So again, um, mm. always listen to people with lived experience first. Absolutely. And let's, you know, let's flag those things when we get to them. If we get to yeah. a type of sex work where we're like, well, I've heard of this, but I've never tried it. Have you tried yeah. it? Let's like, let's just say so, so that you as a listener know that you also need to do some research here, that we're not necessarily giving you the whole picture because there's always going to be more. And yes. like you said, lived experience is mm. where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Let me check my little list to see if there's any other disc disclaimers. I think that was, that was the big one. Um, hmm. Huh. Oh, there is, there is another disclaimer too, okay. and it's about hierarchy. And mm. this is the reason I wanted to do this episode. So I don't know if you experienced this, and I guess maybe we didn't because we did brothel work and then we did independent work, but sometimes there's this idea that some types of sex work are better than other types. Like if you're a stripper, that's fine, but if you're a hooker, that's not okay. Or like if you're a, an independent escort, then that's that's a legitimate job, but being a brothel worker, is it okay? Like there's these kind of, I don't know, did you see any of that when you were working in brothel work, this idea that like some types of sex work were better or worse or that street sex work is bad if you're working in a brothel, like that kind of stuff? Um, yeah, most definitely. I have experienced hierarchy, unfortunately. So um, I actually found um, when I was uh, working in like parlors and stuff, um, I, at that point, I actually did have a Twitter account um, and I was sort of a quiet lurker. Um, so I was more just like watching a lot of the escorts and kind of getting a feel for like sex work Twitter and seeing what it was all about. And um, this is uh, basically the time escorts didn't interact with brothel workers on Twitter. It was very separate. Really? Yeah, um, it was very much the escorts interacted amongst themselves, but they didn't interact with brothel workers. Um, and this is before brothel workers became more uh, prolific on Twitter, I think. Um, whereas yeah. nowadays it's so great. You see tons of brothel workers on Twitter right. and they're all advertising and they're all retweeting each other and talking to each other. And I think there's a lot more interaction. Um, whereas when I initially went on Twitter back in 2016, 2017, 
Um, I was a bit of a quiet lurker. I was uh, working parlor brothels at the time um, and pretty much I was being completely ignored by escorts. Um, they wouldn't speak to me, um, wouldn't interact with me. And so I think there was definitely that kind of um, hierarchy. But that then also sucks. It does everyone suck. has useful things mm. to share, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then again, at the same time, I have to say um, working in parlors as well um, is that Sometimes there were definitely workers who would look down on workers they saw as less than them. Like, for example, uh, parlor workers would look down on straight-based workers or, um, you know, a stripper might come work at a, a parlor and then she would kind of look down on us and be like, this is so gross and dirty, I just want to see what it's like for a shift. And then they, yeah, so there's definitely, oh th- yeah, I think the hierarchy works both ways is that um, there have been times that people have looked down on me, times where um, I think when I was doing brothel work, you know, there were definitely brothel workers who were looking down on people that they saw as less than them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think the hierarchy could be extremely problematic. I think it happens with clients too. Like I'm sure there are some folks out there who think, oh, you know, it's okay if I'm go- I'm seeing an independent escort, but I would never go see a brothel worker because they provide a substandard service. But, of course, there are some amazing workers in establishments as well that provide incredible service and you can't always assume that paying $800 an hour for someone means that they're worth more than someone who charges 200 That's just not how it works. Exactly. Um, I think that's the thing is a lot of people assume they so closely associate your own personal value with your price point. And um, I think it's really important to remember that price point is not indicative of personal value. Just Absolutely. because um, someone works at a lower um, price point, it doesn't mean that their service isn't as good or they're not as valuable or they have no self-respect. Um, it's basically just about marketing. Um, I mean, some workers prefer to work at a lower price point because true. it means that they can have higher volume or they can market themselves in a way that feels more um, uh, um, more suitable to Uh, how they want to work. Um, So it's all very uh, subjective. So I I just say it's really important um, to not judge um, a worker's value based on what they're charging. Um, Yeah. And also to types of work. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. Um, uh, You can, I was going to make another point, but you can go ahead if you like. (laughs) Oh no, you go first and I'll go. (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, I was going to say, I have seen, there's been a really negative, um, Uh, Something I have seen a little bit online um, and in some spaces I found a little bit concerning is that I have seen some people compare um, parlor brothel workers to fast food and comparing independent escorts to five-star meals or restaurant meals. Um, And I I do find that a very problematic type of hierarchy, um, that kind of comparison, because one, um, we're people, we're not food. Um, Yeah, right. That was my first reaction. Yeah, but also I think it's just kind of problematic to assume that, um, you know, if like uh, comparing like a brothel worker to like fast food, whereas an independent escort is like a five-star steak, I just feel like that's... um, It's kind of like assuming that you're getting less effort on the part of the person in the brothel, and that's not necessarily true. There are certain processes we'll get into when we get to brothel work, and it's coming up soon, um, that things work a bit differently, but... Uh, but the amount of effort that person is putting in could be just as much in that setting, even though it's a different setting, as a, an escort you spend time with. Absolutely. You've made a you made a really good point that people choose different price points for marketing reasons, right? To to suit the type of um, turnover they want, the type of clients they want, and you could argue the same is true for different types of sex work. People don't do different types of sex work because they're better or worse human beings. They choose different types of work that suit their skills and suit what they want and what fits into their lives and what works for them and what, you know, connects them with the type of clients that they want to see. So there's so many reasons why we choose to do lots of different types of work. And in fact, some workers do do multiple different types of work depending on, you know, what they feel like or what works. So again, like judging people because of the type of the work they do is silly because A, they could be doing all the types of work and you'd never know. And B, you know, we choose, we choose what suits us. It's not about um, choosing a, a you know a less prestigious kind of work or being forced to do a less prestigious kind of work it's definitely a choice right absolutely um, yeah I think that's the most important thing to remember is that um, you choose the type of work that suits your lifestyle and suits your needs mm, mm-hmm. and you know there are really yeah that's a whole other conversation but there's a lot to it like why why we do what we do but maybe we'll have some time to talk about that because I have done a few things on the list we're about to tackle so Uh, So let's see what comes up. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) 
I need to interrupt this podcast for a second to remind you about something really important. I'm recording this on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. It is stolen land, and I'd like to acknowledge that to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders who may be listening. I'm going to give you a quick overview of my enormous list of types of sex work, just so that you all know what's coming up, because it is long. There is a lot here. Basically, what I've done is written down every type of sex work that I could think of, and then I've divided it up into four kind of categories to kind of kind of help us move through it. So the first category is hands-on full-service workers, so independent escorting, agency escorting, street-based sex work, and brothel work. And then the second category is like um, hands-on work that's kind of a specialised discipline or specialised training. So we have fetish and pro-BDSM work, sexological body work, which may be new to some of you, and tantra practitioners. Um, and then our third category is hands-on but not full service, so workers that don't provide sexual intercourse necessarily. And those are independent erotic massage, um, erotic massage venues, stripping and professional cuddling. And then last, we've got the services that are more hands-off, and what I've got here is camming, peep show performance, online content creation and porn performance, and lastly, we've got phone sex. So this is a lot of things, but at least we're starting with something easy. We're starting with hands-on full service work and we're starting with independent escorting, which at least I know that's something we both have experience with, right? Absolutely. So do you want to give me your definition of independent escorting? What, what, is, what is independent escorting? What's it about? Um, so independent escorting basically means that um, you work for yourself. Um, you don't work for an agency. So it means that you are in charge of all your own advertising and marketing. You are in charge of your um, your phone, your email, your communications with clients. You're in charge of booking your um, own tours, booking um, photo shoots, uh, and also doing the actual bookings as well. Um, so yeah. you do all the admin um, behind the scenes as well as seeing clients. Right. Or in this case, we are in charge of our own businesses yes. because you, the listener, are the clients, hope, uh, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> Although you could be. Sex workers listen to this too, of course. Mm. But, yeah, if you're seeing an independent escort, you're seeing someone who runs their own business and, and providing usually full-service stuff, so sex, right? Yeah, so um, they provide full service, they provide companionship, um, some escorts provide social only dates, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, some escorts see couples or do group bookings, um, so it can be quite varied, but it's very much, um, majority of my work at least, is full service. Yeah, yeah, great, and I do some social stuff too and some companionate stuff and then I also do the sexy stuff, so it just really does depend on the person. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I love my job. There's so many benefits to doing doing this work you know I love the fact that it feels a lot like a date going out with a client that we can go out to a movie or we can go out to a show or we can have dinner together or we can just have a crazy hotel room sex what about you um in terms of independent work like why do your clients enjoy seeing you um, I think they really enjoy seeing me because for them, it feels a little less clinical. Um, they want to feel like it's a bit more um, natural, like um, they want the the idea of it being like a date. Um, so quite a few clients, um, you know, I do quite a few social dates. Um, I do dates that actually like a drinks in bedroom or dinner in bedroom. And I think a lot of um, clients really enjoy that because it gives them um, a chance to actually get to know you over a meal or a coffee. Um, they get to see what you're like. Um, and then there's the anticipation afterwards of going back to the bedroom. Um, so I think for a lot of people, they really enjoy that kind of um, style because it feels a lot more free flowing. It feels a little less prescriptive mm. um, or a little bit cl less clinical. Um, so yeah, I think that can be really good for a lot of people who enjoy that more kind of style. You can, you can take things slowly if it's a longer booking and there's kind of more options because, of course, you could take things slowly in another setting like a brothel, but you're a bit more limited because you're in one room. Mm. As to the options, it's harder to go out to dinner and connect with someone and that kind of stuff. So independent escorting can be really good for that. You can, you know, you've got a lot more range of the kind of activities you can get up to, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, there are so many things you can do, um, which are great fun. Like, you know, um, I, I know quite a few escorts who have gone out to museums and galleries or they've gone um do, they've done like paintball with clients like really fun what? stuff 
Yeah, you could do. No, like, nobody's oh, taken me to paintball. I I, I want paintball. Um, <laughs> me too. Does yeah. someone want to book me and Tash on a double date to do paintball? I will cry yes. like a little girl. Just putting that out there. It'd be so fun. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, that's that's now on my bucket list. Tash. Yeah. I want to do paintball with you. But oh, then, yes. like you know, I'll wear a very sexy, um, you know, sexy lingerie and then run around paintballing. <laughs> the lingerie yeah. will be splattered in paint, but that's fine. <laughs> oh, that sounds like so much fun. So, like flexibility. You can't wander into a brothel and say, "Hey, can we do some paintball?" That's not really going to work. It's just from a practical point of view. So that's really good. And I guess the that's similarly. Um, you can find different workers who uh, might come to you if you have a hotel room or come to your home, or you might find workers in some locations where you can go visit them as an in-call. Mm. So there's a bit of flexibility around where you meet someone as to whether you see them or they come to see you. Absolutely. I think another really important thing to um, uh, one of the benefits of independent escorting is that um, uh, there is a flexibility and sometimes there's the option to extend a date. Um, so if you're having such a fun time, you can say um, to your worker, oh, hey, would you be able to extend? Um, and there are times when we're able to do that and that's great. Whereas if you are going to an establishment, going to a parlour, um, sometimes that option isn't on offer because, um, you know, you have a very set time and there might be, um, a queue of other bookings afterwards. And so true. that can be a little bit more limited. I mean, you can extend a brothel booking, but sometimes. you have to put your pants yeah. on and go back to the cash machine, which is inconvenient. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're right. Someone else might come in and book that person. You know, it can be, it can be trickier. Yeah, yeah for sure. Mm. What, what about the drawbacks? Like, what do you, do you think there's any kind of client that isn't, well suited to seeing an escort and might want to see other types of sex workers like I mean one thing obviously comes to mind and that is cost and mm. it can be quite it can be it isn't always but it can be expensive some escorts have rates that are upwards of three four five hundred dollars an hour but not not everyone but but some yeah Price I, tends to be higher right yeah I mean I think obviously the cost of seeing an independent escort is a factor um I think another thing to consider as well is that unfortunately um uh, escort laws are different in um, different states. So, That's for example, yeah, um, for example, in Victoria, um, in calls are currently illegal. Um, so, for a client, um, not only would they be paying for the um, the escort's rate, but they may have to pay for a travel fee for the escort to visit them, or they may have mm. to pay for a hotel or Airbnb. Um, like there might be additional costs, which could be a little bit expensive. Um, so it that's is another big factor. Drawback. Yeah. I know tons of people who would like to book an escort but have specifically told me that the cost plus the cost of getting a hotel mm. room as well plus the fear it of it up. showing up on their credit card and having, having you know, family members go, what the hell is that? It just makes it too difficult. Yeah, I, I think the, um, sometimes that can be a bit of an issue. Um, I, I think as well uh, for some clients as well, um, as you said, uh, having things show up on their bank statements um, could be an issue in terms of discretion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's something to consider, I guess, as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, obviously, most escorts only take cash. Um, but, yeah, if you're doing a bank transfer or if you're booking a hotel, there's a bit of a paper trail around yes. that stuff. So if you have privacy issues, that could be a thing, as opposed to going to a brothel, for example, where you just get your cash out of the cash machine and, and that's all fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the only other thing that, that I would raise is that generally you need to uh, commit to meeting someone and paying for their time before you've met them in person. Like you don't get to meet someone and then decide if you want to pay them. You have to actually commit to paying. Um so that can be tricky because, you know, it's like online dating and you never know if you're going to get along with someone in person just based on what they look like online, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's the thing. There is that gamble. Um, like I think especially if you're booking an escort who isn't face out, um, uh, that can be like, you know, meeting them. Um, maybe you might find, oh, they're not quite your cup of tea, um, but you still have to pay them for their time because they've um, uh, allocated that that time for you um, and they've committed to the booking. Um, so I think that's something is that sometimes when you're meeting an escort is you're not really sure what they're going to look like, if you can have chemistry with them, if you'll get along. Chemistry, um, yeah. Yeah, so that is definitely a gamble. Like obviously it's very different to like going to a parlour where you get to do intros and you can see what they look like before committing to payment. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's a good thing to keep in mind. And the only other drawback that I had on my list was that you might disagree with me, actually, that you ha usually have to book ahead of time, but it depends, right, on the person? 
What's your uh, yeah. experience? Um, I think it definitely depends um, on the individual worker. Some workers really like same-day bookings. They like last-minute bookings. Um, some workers prefer to work in advance. Um, I think uh, for me, um, if I am on tour, if I have an in-call that's legal allowed in the state um, and I happen to have like some space during the day, I'm happy to take last-minute bookings. But, um, you know, if I'm in my normal, my home city and I've got other commitments that day and I've got stuff mm. planned, um, then I prefer advanced bookings. Um, yeah. So I think, again, that could be a bit of an issue if you're the kind of person who prefers to be a bit more spontaneous. Um, seeing an independent escort may not be the best best um thing for you perhaps depending on the person yeah, there might depends. be there'll be some workers who take last minute bookings but it's, yeah I, I feel like we're for, we tend to fall more on the side of you need to plan and book Pre-book, yeah mm. yeah yeah I, i'm gonna finish this little um this little section of this type of sex work with a mm. nice quote that someone sent to me from twitter and she's a lady who is married and she sees sex workers she has an open relationship with her husband and they both see sex workers separately just for fun. And she said that seeing an escort works for my husband and I, and to be honest, it's made our marriage stronger than ever. And I love to hear that. Uh, yeah. So, like, there's an unlooked-for benefit sometimes. It's good for your relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there are so many benefits of seeing an escort. Um, I mean, it can really boost your confidence and um, it can really sort of help, um, uh, help you explore and give you a safe space. So it's mm. awesome. Yeah, it's really cool and some there's some really solid skills there if you're meeting a sex professional, an independent worker that has many years of experience. You can find someone experienced and they can give you some really cool experiences just because they have they know so much about this. Yep, so good. Uh, thank you. Okay, we're moving on to something that I actually don't have direct experience with and that is agency escorting. Do you, have you ever done any agency work? Um, I actually have never done agency work. So um, I went straight from parlor work to independent. Um, but I do have a few friends who've done agency and they've told me a little bit about it. Um, yeah, great. So what's your definition? What's your definition of um, agency escorting? Uh, so agency escorting is basically um, where you don't run your own business. Um, you actually work for an agency. Um, or we, where, in, in our case, because you would be the client that's listening. I'm so sorry. I always say <laughs> I you. I do that all the time it's, too. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, 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 us. Okay, us. We um, Basically, uh, if I'm an agency worker, I don't run my own business. There's basically I, I work um, for an employer um, and they manage the admin, um, they manage the logistics, they manage the payment, um, they communicate with the clients and basically as an agency escort, I would go out in the out call um, and then I would visit the client and do the more physical side of it. Um, and then obviously being an agency worker means um, I would pay a, p- a fee to the agency um so i wouldn't mm. be earning all 100 of the, pro- the pro- profits basically yeah they take a cut yeah. of the fee and yeah. i guess my my biggest experience with agency work was when i was working in a brothel that also did um agency stuff like someone would call wanting a worker to go out to their hotel and then they'd they'd ask the people who are working if anyone wanted to do out call so technically they were operating as an agency, and but I never did that because I wasn't comfortable going out and meeting people that I hadn't spoken to personally. Um, but it's certainly a thing. Like some brothels do arrange out calls as well. So technically they're like agent escort agencies also. Let's let's talk about the benefits though. So especially considering we just talked about independent escorts, like uh, I guess why would you choose an agency escort over an independent? I'm pr- I'm not a big fan of agencies for some really specific reasons, but that doesn't mean that that type of work isn't valid. And there are some people who do agency escorting, and I'm sure do a really fucking good job. So so why like why would an agency escort be a better choice for a client? Um, I think going through an agency might be really useful for some clients because it means that um. Uh, payment there might be more payment options I mean they can use yes. credit cards um That's they, true. yeah so um unfortunately um a lot of independent escorts don't have that option with banking whereas if you're working as an agency they would have those payment options which would be more convenient um and also as well uh going through an agency um uh it could be I mean some clients really like being able to see a website and being able to see um descriptions and photos of all the different girls um available yeah. um so that can be quite useful as well having that choice um could be a fun experience too kind of logging onto the an agency website and then seeing who's on yeah. at that time and getting excited and getting to choose someone from the list 
And, you know, searching out an independent escort is similar. You can get excited about the process, but it's a big process. There are a lot it's of escorts. Yeah. <laughs> right? Whereas looking at one website could be a little bit more. They're in the search database, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, you get to call them up or whatever, um, and presumably those people are available immediately too, which is another thing you can't do with independents. You can't look at 50 different independents and then go, right, I'd like to see that person. I hope they're available now because they'll almost never be available now. Exactly. Um, I think another thing that could be a benefit of seeing um, an agency escort is that um, I don't know this for certain, but I'd probably be assuming that um, you wouldn't have to pay for the there might be an additional travel fee, but there might not be. Um, yeah, that's true. Travel fees are a thing. Yeah, I know independent escorts, a lot of us um, tra- uh, charge travel fees, whereas with um, a lot of agency escorts, from what I've heard, is that they actually have a driver who will drive the workers to bookings. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure for sure whether that there's an additional travel fee, but there might not be. So It might depend on the agency, but yeah, yeah, there could definitely be some benefit there for sure. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of feel like the drawbacks are, okay, there's a really big drawback that I want to talk about. But before I got onto that, what what do you feel? Like there, what are the reasons that clients might not go with an agency? Um, again, they may not want to leave a paper trail. Um, yeah. They may not feel comfortable with some of those payment options. Um, so, yeah, that could be an issue if you want to be discreet. Yeah, this is true. And, of course, like independent escorting, you don't meet the escort until they actually arrive to do the job, at which point you're committed to at least paying. Obviously, mm. no one should ever be pressured into doing anything they don't want to do except paying because once you've committed and they've turned up, you do have to pay them. So that's a that's a thing some people are, are worried about, that the escort might turn up and they might not click and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, but my biggest problem, and and this is my bugbear, so I'm not I'm not hating on all agencies. I'm sure there are some great ones out there. Is that you're talking to the manager, you're not talking to the worker. And for me, like part of the the biggest part of trusting a client and the client trusting me and knowing that they've picked the right person is actually getting to speak directly with the worker. So with an agency you call up and the receptionist or manager goes, here's who we've got, here's who I'd recommend based on what you want, and then they send that person out. You don't really get a chance to interact with them at all first. Yeah, um, I think that's actually a really good point is that there are definitely clients who appreciate having that direct interaction um, with the worker because they want to get a feel for you, feel for us, I guess. They want to see what we're like. Um, Mm. uh, And I think sometimes having a middle person um, can kind of make it seem a little bit – for some some clients, it could feel a little less personal, I guess. This is true. And on the other hand, maybe some clients feel more comfortable calling up a receptionist or a manager and saying, this is what I want, and having the manager help them out rather than just getting thrown in the deep end of trying to talk to a sex worker for the first time because that can be really intimidating too. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing to consider. Don't forget that we have an online membership program. Membership gives you access to videos on our website that show you how to have incredible experiences with sex workers. We even have a private Twitter feed so that you can connect with your fellow sexual adventurers. To become a member, visit satisfactionproject.com and hit the sign up button. Okay, we have like two more types of hands-on sex work to talk about. And the next one up is street-based sex work. And before we talk about street-based work, i got to say I don't have super experience with this. Um, I have I have friends who've done street-based work for sure, and I've had a chat to some of those before this podcast to get a bit of a feel for it. But this is, this is the first one coming up where I can say categorically I haven't done this one and I haven't met many clients that have seen street-based sex work. But I still think it's really important to talk about um, because street-based work is really stigmatized. Like people think really badly of street-based workers for some reason. Maybe it's because of all the movies of the chicks with the high heels standing on the street corner or something. For some reason, people have a really, really bad picture in their heads when they think about street-based work. And I just think that's kind of bullshit. I think it's just another type of work. So that's my take. Like what's your feeling on the whorephobia around that? Like it definitely comes up, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I do feel like in our industry, um, street-based sex workers um, are quite often the most vulnerable group of workers. Um, they are highly stigmatised. Mm, they um, cop a lot of they, shit. They cop a lot of shit. Um, mostly they're criminalised uh, for their work. Um, and I feel like it's extremely, um, when you look at uh, a 
there are some um, some some countries, some states that have decrim, but it's only partial decrim, and so it doesn't protect street-based sex workers, and that's um, uh, really scary. Um, it does a huge disservice to street-based sex workers. Mm. It doesn't acknowledge their labour. It doesn't acknowledge the legitimacy, legitimacy of their work, and it doesn't protect them. So right. I think basically any decrim that leaves out street-based sex workers is doing um, more harm than good. And I think that and we this really has just happened. You know, like we just had a. A sex work decriminalisation bill is just in the process of getting passed in Victoria, in Australia, where we are. But again, they left street-based workers out. Like they said, oh, no, it's okay to do street-based work, but only in these particular spots mm. at these particular times. And that's not that's not full decrim because it still means that street-based workers will be getting hassled by the cops. So that was that's disappointing. I was disappointed. Yeah, um, it was extremely frustrating and disappointing. Um, and so I think that's the thing. It's really important for our industry that we do protect our most vulnerable workers and we make sure that mm. they feel safe and that we listen to them um, because they have lived experience. So, um, right. yeah, I, I think that's the thing is um, I will be very honest and I have say I have no experience in street-based work. Um, I know very few people who've done it. Um, and I, I think it's important that we do listen to them Um and we acknowledge their labour as just as legitimate as other sectors of the industry. Yeah, totally on board with that. And and because I knew my knowledge was a bit deficient, I had a chat with a friend of mine who has done street-based work to ask their thoughts on, um, you know, on, you know, what might uh, work for clients around street-based work. And I'm going to share what they've said here. Um, so basically, um, just for a quick definition too, which we should have done at the beginning, but it's okay, we got carried away. <laughs> um, street-based sex work is a kind of sex work where the worker meets potential customers in a public place. That's basically it. Um, and then, you know, once you've, once you've, now I'm doing it, once, once we've met the, the customer in a public place, we might negotiate to um, deliver services at another location, um, sometimes in a car at a quiet spot or going back to their house or hotel, that kind of stuff. There's options, right? Yeah. Yeah. And look, so I spoke to my friend. We had a really good chat. She she also asked us to really take some time to point out that when people think about street-based work, they're thinking about the stuff they see in the movies and on TV and stuff. And it's really kind of shamey and gross and it's really inaccurate. It's not women in like huge heels standing on the street corner with their hip stuck out, you know, mostly it's just workers of all genders just sitting around waiting for clients, really cash. You wouldn't even notice these people unless you were specifically looking for them. So it's really not like a lot of people imagine. So, um, yeah, she asked us to really stress that. Um, and then if you like, I can feel free to jump in too, but I'm quite happy to just run through what she shared because I think yeah. it was really helpful. Yeah, I think it's good to share that. Yeah, great. So um, so why might street-based sex work suit you as a client? Um, so here are a few ideas. So um, she said sometimes people get off on the public sex stuff. Like, yeah, sure, if you're picking up a worker and finding a, a secluded spot um, in your car and that sort of thing, that is a, you know, that kind of exhibitionism light is a kind of um, a thing for some people and a totally legit kink. Um, and the experience of like, getting in your car and going out looking for someone can be really exciting. So that particular kind of process, similar to going onto the escort agency's website and looking at who's on that night, you know, it's the, it's the experience of looking for someone and finding the right person. Um, she also noted that um, you can book really short sessions. So often street-based sex work, the services uh, go for, you know, two to five minutes like super short if you're looking for just a really quick connection or a quick fling or to get off, um, then that's that's the kind of experience you can have. Um, and she also said that there's a lot of flexibility, like I said before, like you can like negotiate a car booking or a hotel. It just It's just down to what you and your worker decide you want to do together. So that kind of, um, you know, openness and flexibility, the same as with any independent worker, there's more room to talk about what you both need. Yeah, um, I think she's covered a lot of really great bases um, and stuff I had never personally like considered actually is I never thought about the exhibitionism um, aspect. Me neither. What kind of really struck me was the experience and this pops up for a lot of these different kinds of, kinds of sex work when we say, well, why might clients choose to do this? And the answer is often because it gives a very particular experience, like a very particular kind of excitement around going out and going through the process of finding your worker and that sort of thing. And that process looks very different for different kinds of sex work. So maybe some people just 
love going to the strip club or love mm. getting in their car and cruising around looking for the right worker. And yeah, like that, if that experience appeals to you, that's, that's a legitimate reason too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd probably say convenience is also a factor. Um, I mean, yeah. again, is that, you know, you're not paying for travel fees or necessarily paying for hotels mm-hmm. and stuff. For some people, they might find it really convenient to be like, oh, you know, this is great. I can um, book someone and have a car job or, you know, book someone and have that like different experience. Um, so that can be also very convenient as well. And short notice too, mm. as well. Like we talked about before, you can just, you know, hop in your car and off you go and look for someone um, when you're feeling horny or when you feel like hanging out with someone. Um, yeah. So that's, that's definitely a thing with street-based work as well. Um, and, you know, there might be some reasons that street-based work is not the right kind of sex work for you as a client. Um, and I've just uh, noted a few things here, like that maybe that's not the experience you're looking for. That's fine. Um, you know, of, of, often the level of criminalization and stigma, I mean, criminalization and stigma are really shitty and they affect street-based sex workers. Street-based sex workers get hassled, um, you know, and judged a lot, but then also the clients of street-based sex workers do as well. So that could be a deterrent for some people. Or if you're in a place where street-based work is completely criminalized, then the, the fear of getting busted by the cops um, could be there too. So that's worth taking into account. Uh, it sucks, but it's there. Um, I think those are really good points. Um, and it's definitely something to consider when you're um, deciding what kind of worker you'd like to see. So um, good things to keep in mind. But, yeah, like it was really cool to chat with my mate um, about the really, really legitimate reasons that street-based work can be um, can be a good choice for clients or can be the experience that they want to have. So that was kind of cool. I think as well um, something that's really important for clients to note is that even if you do choose um, that seeing a street-based worker is not for you. Um, it's not the avenue you'd like to explore. Um, it's still really important to respect their work and see it as legitimate and to support them. Um, and if there are, um, if you can help donate to um, uh, sex work organisations that help street-based workers, um, that is really, really a good thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. If you can afford to support our peer orgs who provide services to everyone but also include street-based workers um, and treat treat our street-based workers with just as much respect as everyone else that's really really helpful thanks for saying that because it is important like we can just pretend that stigma doesn't exist but we know that it does so sometimes making that special effort to go out of your way to make sure that the people who aren't being treated right get get included um yeah it's important so we have one more on my list of full service and i've actually just realized that i I've forgotten something really important and we're going to add it to the list, you know, like, so we're about to talk about brothel workers, right? Yeah. I forgot to put sugaring on this list. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sure we can probably squeeze it in. Yes. Do you want to squeeze it in after this one? This one? Yeah. Why not? It's a, it's a strange nebulous sugar, sugar baby, sugar daddy stuff is a strange nebulous type of sex work that probably belongs in the full service category kind of. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's definitely, uh, there's definitely a bit of horror, horrorarchy that kind of comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's definitely good to acknowledge sugaring as a type of work as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's take it on to the end of this one. So ne- next up we've got brothel work and this is super easy, I think for both of us to explain because we've, we've both done it, but basically brothel work is when you go to an establishment or a premises and there are sex workers who provide full service, so sexual intercourse at that establishment on a set shift. So they'll be working there for a particular shift and you see them in the rooms in the place that you go to and then the workers will usually give a cut of the the fee or the rate to the people who are running the business on the premises. Yeah, um, that's pretty much an accurate description. Um, And again, um, uh, I think when it comes to parlour workers, brothel workers, is that sometimes um, you pay for a standard service, um, which is typically... Um, oral on the client, sex, massage. Um, yeah. And then there are a lot of parlour brothel workers who actually charge extras. Um, and so those extras can range from a wide variety of activities. It could kissing. be yeah, kissing, kink. mutual oral, kink, um, anal, um, anything that they see as um, additional labour. or um, Yeah, so it is kind of a different concept. So with brothel workers, a lot of them do have extras, whereas with an independent worker, um, mm. not as much. Like some of them do charge extras, but it's kind of a different um, different price and different inclusions. 
Yeah, different sort of pricing scheme. You're right because mo- a lot of escorts are mostly all inclusive. Although, although there are certain things that certainly do get charged extra for. But you're right. You know, in a brothel, you can kind of expect to pay the base fee for massage, sex, oral, and then if there's extra things you want that are a bit fancy, you can kind of expect that yeah. that's going to cost you. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, what what would you say the benefits are? Because we've we've do- both done both, right? We've done independent. We've done brothel. Why yeah. might a client go to a brothel? Um, the benefits of going to an establishment, um, I mean, the great thing is that you don't have to pay for a hotel, Airbnb, um, you don't have to, um, host at your own place if that's an issue. So, um, it could be really convenient in that way, being able to just drive to a local parlor, brothel or establishment. Um, and then they've got the rooms, um, they've got everything that you need. Um, and that's really, uh, great. Um, also as well, we spoke earlier about intros, um, is that you get to meet all the uh, workers on shift and you get to say hello to them, see what they look like, see what they offer in their service. And then you choose, um, uh, so you can actually meet them before committing financially and emotionally Mm -hmm. to the experience. Um, and another thing as well is that, um, again, it's, it's an experience like for um, some clients going to a parlor, it's kind of like a bonding experience. Like it's a fun night out. Um, quite a few clients will go with their friends. Um, it's fun. It's sort of like going the to the strippers the in a night. way. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I, I had a client come into the brothel I was working at once and I had a good chat with him and he told me that like he'd, he'd go out to bars and stuff during the night and then, you know, like he'd see women out, but it was, it was kind of up to the women as to whether they wanted to pick him or talk to him when he mm. was out drinking and he just wanted to come to a place where he got to choose, where he got to to pick which woman he wanted to talk to or get sexy with from the selection rather than always feeling like he had to sit back and wait for someone to pick him and that that was, that was why he did it. That was the experience he wanted. Like he wanted to have the power to choose and I think that's legit, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've, I've definitely um, had some clients say similar where they'll be like, oh, you know, I've had a really fun night out. Um, I'm feeling super horny. I would love to have a, a great experience, but, um, you know, uh, I don't want to have to go through the effort of having to pick up a woman at a bar. I'd much rather go yeah. to an establishment and then I can choose someone. And I know it's um, in a location where I don't have to worry about um, you know, uh, having to host or I don't have to worry about, you know, taking someone back to my place and my, maybe my place is too messy. Like it's all there for socks you. socks off the floor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it is cheaper. If you, if you, um, you know, if you get through many, many beers of a night, um, it may actually be cheaper to go to a brothel and spend an hour with a worker than to spend all night drinking and chatting people up. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Yeah, totally agree. And there's also more payment options too, like agency escorts. You will often have the opportunity to pay on credit card or something like that. It's not just about having to have the cash. So that can be useful. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it can be convenient for a lot of reasons. Um, And also as well, there's a selection of workers you can choose from. Is that, um, uh, you know, there's usually quite a few um, few workers on shift um, or if you have like a favourite worker, then you can always book them in advance. Um, So you have those options. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and of course, um, you know, if you if you go to the same establishment over and over, and they get to know you, it means that you can kind of maybe feel a bit comfortable. You might know the receptionists, get friendly with them, so then you can come in. And even though there might be different workers and people you haven't met, it may not be as nerve wracking as meeting a new person one on one because you know you have friends there, you have people who know who you are, and know you're a good client, and they'll say, "Hey, how you going?" and get you comfortable, and they'll maybe make it easier for you to meet new people. So if you're a bit socially awkward or anxious, that could be kind of a nice way to start off too, rather than just trying to negotiate a date with one person and trying to handle all that. Mm, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And in terms of drawbacks, um, I can, there's, there's a few that are on my mind, but what about you in terms of what, why, why clients might prefer not to go to a brothel? What's your experience with that? Um, I do know some escort clients say that um, they're not so keen, uh, I suppose when it comes to the brothel aspect, is that um, quite often the bookings are timed and there's a buzzer. Um, So it's very much you get your allocated time, buzzer goes, and then that means 
session's over, I have to shower and clean up and get ready. Um, it's really jarring too. Like you're trying to have sex and suddenly there's a thing on the wall that goes, yeah. <laughs> and it, it can be really off-putting if you're easily startled. So that's a thing. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think there are definitely um, some clients who might find um, that the timer buzzer is a little bit clinical um, or even just the idea of extensions. Like, again, we spoke about um, extending a session. Um, if you go to a parlor, then quite often we have to call up on the phone and the receptionist has to come up with the FPOS machine and mm-hmm. or otherwise you have to put your pants back on and go downstairs. So that can be a bit of a hassle. Or run down in a towel, which I always found very, very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I guess another component as well is uh, – um, for some clients who are, um, if discretion is um, a big issue for them, going to an establishment could possibly um, mean they might run into someone that they know there is that risk involved. Um, well, that's true. Yeah. Mm. Going in and out, right? Even if you're not in a, like a enclosed sort of lounge intro, even if you get your own little room to intro the ladies. And look, at my last podcast episode, I did speak with an ex-brothel receptionist and we had a chat about the etiquette mm. and the etiquette of introing at brothel. So if you want a bit more in-depth look into that, go back and check out our last podcast. But yeah, some brothels, you'll walk in and they'll generally put you in your own private rooms. But you know, there's no guarantee you're not going to run into your mate going out the door because there is only usually one door. Although we had a back door at some places and people would leave by the back sneakily. Yeah. But what if you both like you both try and make it in through the front at the same time? Like, there's no way to guarantee <laughs> you're not going to run into people you know, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think um, that could be a concern as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is just bringing back all my my oh, memories gosh. of brothel work and like the hilarious clients and the one that would sneak out the back when he was done. Like, just so good. So good. Yeah, the, um, the only other issue that I have with brothels is they never have windows because obviously you don't want anyone peering in, right? Yeah. Which means that it can feel a bit claustrophobic, even if the rooms are really nice. And, I, you know, some rooms are beautiful in brothels. Um, you can't see out the windows, so it feels kind of weird. Um, but maybe just to me, working a full shift, maybe it wouldn't be so weird to a client who just came in for an hour. Um, yeah, I, I think that's definitely a consideration. I know I have worked at a place where I was, well, it was the amazing big rooms, but they had balconies and windows, which is fantastic. So <gasps> that's a, I've never seen that. Oh, that's it, was, great. it was great. So if clients wanted to have a cigarette mid booking, they can go out oh. the balcony and have a smoke. Um, so, I mean, Ooh. that was wonderful, but I think you are right is that quite often there are no windows and sometimes, unfortunately, something to establish, um, to note with, uh, going to a parlor or a brothel is that with some states they have regulations on the number of rooms that are allowed um so Mm. for example some states will say you're only allowed six working rooms um and so if it's a very busy night um and there the rooms like there's a really high turnover it might mean that um uh you kind of have to rush your session a little bit or maybe the room possibly um I mean, like, obviously the workers will do their best to clean the rooms in between sessions, but, um, you know, the rooms can get a bit stuffy um, or there's not much room yeah. to hang out. Um, so, yeah, I think obviously that's quite different. You know, if you if you book an independent escort, you'll have like, you could have a hotel room that's much more luxurious and you can take your time. Whereas sometimes mm-hmm. if you go to a parlor on a busy night and the rooms are kind of small and there's a high turnover, it's a bit different. And, you know, maybe this is why some people say the McDonald's of sex work because they're kind of thinking like assembly line sort of get them out as quick as possible. But, of course, what that doesn't address is the fact that the person you spend time with in the room may be the loveliest person and you might have an amazing connection, you might have beautiful sex. So even though we're talking about all these processes being where you can kind of feel a bit rushed or a bit constricted, that certainly doesn't reflect on the quality of the actual experience you have with the person because there are some absolutely amazing brothel workers out there um, really caring and attentive and gorgeous. So just, uh, you know, don't get too carried away by us talking about the dreaded buzzer. Um, uh, do remember that, that the quality of actual sex work you receive might be amazing, even if it is a little bit constrained by time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's definitely a really good point to consider is that um, I know some amazing brothel and parlor workers and they're always booked out and they do so well and they have lots mm. of regulars um, and they give a great service. Um, I think uh, for some clients, so I think when they kind of see that someone's very busy and they have a lot of other clients that night, it could be slightly off-putting um, for some clients who want to think that they're the only one that day. Um yeah, although if you struggle with thinking that the person you're seeing doesn't have a lot of sex, yeah. you're going to struggle with a brothel because all you're going to see is be surrounded by 
workers who have a lot of sex, yes. probably they've had a lot of sex immediately before they saw you. Like it's at least with independence, if clients want There's to feel like they're the that. only ones, it's yeah. easier to do that. But I, I kind of feel like maybe we should all just get over ourselves and admit that the people we shag have shagged a lot of people. That that's yeah. okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's the thing is just because uh, someone you're sleeping with is sleeping with other people or has other clients, it doesn't diminish your time or make it any less special. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, totally agree. Oh my God. This has been like so much more in depth than I Oh, I, I love talking about it. It's great. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. So I reckon for this episode, we're probably going to only get through the hands-on stuff and we're going to have to come back and tackle the other ones in subsequent ep- episodes because there is so much here. So let's let's cover, let's dive into a bit on uh, briefly on sugaring, yes. which is a whole episode in itself, and then sort of we'll wrap it up and we'll come back and tackle the, the next section next time around. How does that sound? Yeah, sounds awesome. I'm so keen. <laughs> so sugaring, I actually, this is my oversight. I left sugaring off the list, but it should not be because I think sugaring is sex work. However, just saying that means I'm going to get some hate mail because a lot of people who do sugaring, sugar babies, and a lot of people, clients who see sugar babies, aka sugar daddies or sugar mummies or sugar people, don't see sugaring as sex work. Um, and I just want to acknowledge that and that some people are going to be upset when I say it's sex work. I really do think it's sex work. There's a there's a really good um, episode of the Savage Love cast where Dan Savage interviews uh, one of the people who founded seekingarrangement.com, which is one of the most popular sugaring websites. And like, um, she's so insistent that it's not sex work and he keeps going, but they're getting payment and then for companionship and sometimes for sex. That's sex work and, like, it just goes back and forth and it's great. Yeah. So just want to flag that. But in terms of definite, like, how would you go defining what sugaring is? I, I can have a crack, but do you want to have a crack first? Um, yeah, so I have no personal experience of sugaring. Um, I've never done it myself, um, but I actually have a friend of mine who is a sugar daddy and I've spoken to a few ex-sugar babies. Um, so I know that uh, sugaring, um, it's a bit different to escorting um, because payment uh, – I think it's um, with sugaring, sometimes payment is more in gifting um, or experiences rather than cash. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's kind of a bit of a distinction. Um, Shopping trips. Yeah, exactly. Flights, holidays. Yeah, so um, uh, so the payment um, is not necessarily cash or card. It can be trips, holidays, gifting, experiences. Um, I think as well it's kind of like um, uh, it's a little bit different to escorting. It's not quite as um, – I mean, it's not really dependent so much on putting up ads. Um, I, I think sugaring is kind of done more through like uh, sort of personal ads. Um, like, mm-hmm. for example, we have escort directories. You don't really – I think sugar babies kind of uh, – they find clients through other means. Um, or personal relationships. Yeah, you personal meet someone relationships. and you don't want to date them, but you go, hey, but I'll still hang out with you if you, you know – make sure I have fun, you know, that kind of situation. Exactly. Um, like I actually know ex-sugar babies who have found um, their sugar mummies, sugar daddies or, you know, glucose guardians, um, they found them on like <laughs> uh, personal dating sites. Um, then again, yep. like we have to acknowledge that there are definitely um, escorts um, and uh, other types of workers who use personal dating sites too. So that's not limited yeah, to just Yeah, depending sugaring. on the location and, yeah. yeah. But I actually have done sugaring once, like ever to go once. Oh, yeah, how'd it go? I was deeply unimpressed. But I'm the kind of person that likes really clear boundaries. I like, um, you know, I like to say, okay, what do you, what would you like to get up to? What kind of experience are you after? Okay, here's how much I charge for that. Here's what it will be like. I'm really kind of like left brain. But I understand that for some people what they want is just to hang out with someone and get a, and kind of feel into what happens and not feel too much pressure and not be really specific about the specific things they want to get up to. Like some people are much less prescriptive and sugaring is more like that. It's more of an ongoing arrangement where someone is, you know, maybe paying our bills or paying our uni fees or buying us nice things and taking us out and making us feel special, but there's no explicit kind of contract or exchange. It's feel, so it feels more, a bit more like a relationship. And Mm. this is why I think a lot of people who do sugaring or clients clients who see have sugar babies don't want to call it sex work because it, for them it is all about it being more of a personal relationship, a relationship and they really yeah. want to feel like it is a personal relationship and not a commercial one. 
Exactly. Um, it kind I, of also is a commercial one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's the thing is um, I have spoken to my, my friend who's a sugar daddy and also some ex-sugar babies. As they say the focus is very much on that kind of relationship. Um, uh, it's kind of got very different boundaries to escorting mm. wood. Yeah. Right. And no judgment because everyone is different in how they like to do their work. So even though sugaring is not for me, just calling out if you are if you are a sugar, what's the opposite of glucose guardian? Um, <laughs> like a do you mean like for a sugar baby? Or? You do have a term, a term that's the other side. I don't, don't know. Do um, and I've heard of like there's Splendor Daddy, a Splendor Daddy versus a Sugar Daddy, and then Glucose Guardian. I think is an all gender inclusive all gender term. term. But if <laughs> yeah. you're actually a sugar baby, I guess sugar baby is gender yeah. neutral, so that's yeah. fine. If you're a sugar baby, I'm not trying to disparage what you do. Uh, or how valid it is at all. It's, it, just because it's not for me doesn't mean it's not for other people. But but look, from a practical perspective, like let's look at why, well, I mean, we've already covered it, haven't we, that a client might choose this kind of sex work because they actually want to have an exchange that doesn't feel like sex work perhaps. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think there's definitely um, uh, some clients kind of prefer something that feels a little bit more um Again, like a relationship, um, a bit like more I, organic. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but also, I know as well, like some clients, um, they prefer payment as gifting or as experiences or as holidays. Um, like I, sometimes they find that um, talking about money feels a bit transactional, a bit too clinical. Mm. Um, like you know, quite often, like uh, with um, parlor work, brothel work, or escorting, is that we can tell the client the price and they're like, yep, okay, cool. Um, whereas I think with sugaring, they find that a bit off putting. Um, it's more like they'll be like, oh, you know, you. It's considered rude. Yeah, like for them, it's more like, um, you know, you, you spend time with them and they'll gift you. Um, and I, I think they kind of prefer the more the gifting aspect. Yeah. And to be honest, I've had escort clients who just loved gifting and loved buying me mm. things or taking me out. And I guess this is kind of like a, a further extension of that, that, you know, some people just love spoiling someone that they care about. And if that's you, then maybe sugaring is, um, is an option, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think obviously payment comes in different forms. And, um, if you prefer, um, that sort of gifting style of payment, um, that sort of spoiling, then that might be an avenue that might be suitable for you. Yeah. And, and who might it not, be for why why as a client might sugaring not be the right option um i'd probably say uh sugaring may not be so great for clients who are looking maybe um for shorter term experiences or mm. sort of one-off experiences because it's with sugar relationship yeah it's a bit more of an investment it's sort of like an ongoing relationship kind of style um so maybe for a client who just wants like something like sort of quick and fun like a one-off experience um might not be so such a great fit um, that's a good point and we should add too that sugaring doesn't always mean sex so you could be um, taking someone out and spoiling them and enjoying their company but not having sex with them. And that's a thing that does happen. Mm. Um, but then often also sex will come into the, into play too. It just depends on the person. So it's quite it's quite loose around that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's the thing. Um, uh, sometimes the hierarchy can come into play is that a lot of – there are some sugar babies who will say, oh, they're not sex workers, what they're doing isn't sex work um, because when they look at our labour, they focus very much on the sexual labour and not mm, the emotional labour. Emotional. Um, and quite often with uh, street-based workers, brothel workers, escorts, is that obviously you know there's a sexual service involved but we're um, fostering those emotional connect connections and we're also focusing mm. on emotional intimacy and trust. Absolutely. Um, and so that emotional labour is just as valid. Um, so I think discrediting um, other types of sex workers or saying, yeah, it's, it's just really important to recognise labour of each different facet. Right. And similarly, I would never discredit someone's work as a sugar baby just because they don't do sexy stuff with someone they're seeing because, yeah, emotional labour is still labour and it still counts Absolutely. and it still works. So, you know, everything counts for sure. Yeah, 100%. Mm. I'm so glad that we remembered to include that. It is kind of borderline. I think out of all the types of sex work that I have on my list, and there are a few where I feel like those types of sex workers will go, I'm not a sex worker. There's a few of those instances that might pop up where I feel it's usually sex work, but yeah. people might disagree. I think this is the one where people would most want to disagree. And in fact, I may get hate mail saying that sugaring is not sex work and I'll, I'll point them to Dan Savage's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> 
We've done really well. Thank you for joining me on this extraordinarily in-depth journey. Yeah, um, it's been really great to talk about um, different facets of the industry. And um, I mean, obviously, there are some parts of the industry I've got personal experience with and can speak on um, quite in depth. And then some um, areas I don't have much experience at all. And I feel like I've learned a lot. So um, yeah, thanks for the chat. It's been really great. Um, I really appreciate you sharing your, your experience. And it's also just nice to compare notes. So Absolutely. enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I will be back. Um, or we will be back with the next um with the next chunk of types of sex work in a later episode i really hope that you've all enjoyed this and that it's helped you consider maybe some other ways of doing things or maybe some other things you might want to try that might be fun um before we finish um tash can you tell us where folks can find you if they want to find out more about you or if they want to meet you in person yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can find me on Twitter um, and Instagram. Um, my handle for both is TashMurphy underscore AU. Um, uh, I also do have um, ads up on um, Trist, on um, Ivy Society, uh, on Scarlet Blue. Um, so yeah, basically get in touch. You'll see me online. Um, I'm Melbourne based. I do, I'm hoping to do more touring this year, which is exciting. Um, yeah. So it's been really great to chat to you and, um, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been awesome. And I hope you do get to do that touring. We all deserve yes. <laughs> some nice trips around after the oh, last couple of years. I cross my fingers for you. Yeah, thank you. It'll be really good just to uh, get out of Melbourne and see some of my interstate favourites. So, yeah, hopefully this year will be a good one. Thanks for joining us. If you want to become an expert client, head on over to the website satisfactionproject.com for more articles, your questions answered, and exclusive member-only content. After all, wise clients are the best clients. Stick with us and you'll be well on your way to having those peak experiences with sex workers that make life worth living.